Hello and welcome. Thank you for joining in. This is Sunny. Today is March the 31st of 2020. With everything that has been going on as a result of COVID-19 in the stock markets, we are today going to discuss some things about where are we coming from? How did we get here? What is the base case that I think is factored in now in the markets? What is the positive and the negative of terms of what picture can the markets take from here? And if you're buying, what you should be buying, what I'm buying and what I'm doing. So thank you for joining in and keep on. So a little bit of background to how we came here. So the last episode, the podcast episode and the YouTube video that I did was in mid to late January when everything was going so good and the markets were making new highs and it continued to do so until early February, right? And that video was about how to invest in 2020. And I basically said that I felt that the market was overvalued. There was fluff. There was a lot of fundamental fluff in valuations. You know, things were trading at 30, 35 times easily and good companies, but still much higher than the normal range that they trade at. And there was a lot of fluff. And I was, after a long time, starting to save some cash and uh, put that aside and not put new capital into the markets. I also mentioned how, like, I felt so bad selling MasterCard in 330s because it's a great business, but it just was at a value that I was feeling like I should lighten up, right? And similar companies like that. So I was very much in the opinion of there was fluff and it needed to come out. Something will happen, as I said, like something will happen. I don't know what, but the correction will come. Prices have to come back to the normal trading ranges. But to be fair, I thought there'd be a correction, like 10, 15% you know, one of those corrections. But what happened is totally different. What ended up happening is as a result of the COVID-19, the moment it, the world figured out that it, the containment will not work, it will not be contained to China, that it will keep going around the world, it will be a global phenomenon and um, a big US phenomenon. And the world did not take it that seriously. And the moment they figured out, it panicked. It panicked along with the oil crash and a lot of things, it created a lot of fear in the markets about where the financial health or sustenance of a lot of sectors in the economy would go and what would it look like and hence the correction. I am now coming to today, you know, whatever happened, happened, water under the bridge, you know, January, February, if you haven't yet rebalanced or you didn't collect cash or um, whatever you did that is water in the water, what to do now? First of all, I don't think it's unwarranted. The fall is not unwarranted because the things that we're seeing are unprecedented. You know, the market hates uncertainty. A bad news is not as bad as uncertainty. And right now, we have seen something like we have never seen before and something that for some reason although smart money and you know big investors were talking about how this could come to us even the administration in many ways did not think that way that it could be you know and many people didn't so it's not it's not blaming somebody it it is what it is like it wasn't considered that serious and now it is all of a sudden now we have a shutdown 21 days social distancing guidelines that can go on much longer. 
what happens to the economy. This is something that we've never seen before because recessions are recessions where, you know, certain areas of the economy are suffering, certain areas are in a downturn, but other secular players are growing. Many companies within the same struggling sectors are growing and the economic activity is happening and improving day by day. But here we have shut down the economy. We have said everything should shut down. So the demand goes down to zero. It just goes to zero. And except like grocery stores and consumer staples and internet cable providers and social media and cloud companies and electricity, utility companies, and um, very minimal discretionary items, you may think like what to do and what to spend on. So a lot of industries are just shut down and which gets us to the point of it's not the fact that things are so unprecedented the uncertainty is so high. We look at the VIX that has gone above 70 in the 80s. Now it's come down to 60s. But now that it is that high, it is fair to see how markets could drop 35%. And that came from point, as I said, I believe that those prices were not real prices anyway. You know, there was 10, 15% fluff built in into them anyway. So it is warranted, and here's where we are. Now what happens? Well, if it is important to understand what is the base case scenario factored into the markets and how you feel the world will turn out, and if you think more positively or more negatively. So again, it's the trillion-dollar question. Nobody knows what's factored into the market, but I'm going to give you what I think everybody is talking about right now. Again, I'm not a doctor, medical professional, epidemiologist, or anybody, but I'm looking at what everybody is talking and following and studying. The models come from China, and because those are the countries, that is a country where the cases have gone down to zero. And they took 11 weeks from the time they shut down the country till the cases, there were no new cases, right? The curve went up, the curve went down, and then it got to zero. So it took 11 weeks. So I'm guessing and from what i hear from everybody talking about it the base case is between two to three months the economy stays shut for two to three months and then we start coming back to normal now if you think it's going to be better than that or worse than that will affect your decision i think of whether you want to get started investing now or not in my personal opinion 10 11 weeks is still pretty optimistic because that was in china that was where they had the harshest measures of like enforcing law so that nobody gets out. You know, this is US. It's not being happening at that pace. It's still guidelines. It's not legal application in terms of like really threatening people not to get out, you know. And China did manage the cases not to get out of a couple provinces, which is very different. US, we already see the cases have spread in very, very different states and in like big numbers. So uh, it hasn't been able to contain it as well within a region or a province. Again, if you believe everything that you get from China, you should be more scared than 10 weeks. So it could last more than that. Or it could happen that many different areas, if you think about in US and different like metropolitan areas, different cities, different states, they may all be running their own timelines. They may all take 10 to 12 weeks to 14 weeks till they come back up again. So this is very important to think about because if you think about the worst case or not at the worst, but like 
slightly negative, more negative than this. We passed a two to four trillion dollar stimulus the way you look at it. And that was all not stimulus. It was a rescue package. It was a rescue plan. It was a rescue bridge. It gives small businesses temporary loans if they sustain and keep the employees. They give the $1,200 $1, check so that people can, you know, spend on basic things and um, pay rent and get toilet paper. Now, that money will be spent. How long can that last, right? Now, if the shutdown sustains for, let's say, you take a more negative view, what if it sustains for six months? How are we going to keep doing $4 trillion packages, $6 trillion packages, if the whole economy is $20 trillion, right? Now, I get it. What helps us is whether summer comes, that may coincide with the 10-11 week period, and we may, you know, see less cases, and the curve will die down, and the markets will come back up. The economy will come back up. But then again, if we don't have a cure by then, what happens in fall? Does the flu come back? If it comes back, if the coronavirus COVID-19 comes back, if the cases come back, well, then it will be really bad for the consumer sentiment because the waves will create fear in terms of people who want to save and not spend because they don't, they're not certain if they will have a job. And markets will get wrecked again because, again, the uncertainty... Right now, the certainty is this is a one-time thing. This will go away. We will go back to normal and everything is back to the normal and the curve up again, right? But if it doesn't, if it comes in waves, it's even worse. So we would have to find a cure, at least a little bit of a good cure in three to four months till we get a vaccine next year for that to happen, for the markets to sustain, for the markets to get back up. So um, from here, if the markets go back up, which it will, they eventually always do, right? The time, the question is, when will it and from where? And the base case, I feel, is two to three months, which goes well with the onset of the summer. And hopefully by early fall, we have a way to combat it, to cure it. People get less scared um, because they have a cure that somehow somewhat works and they're looking forward to the next vaccine. So they feel safe going out and they are ready to spend more because they safe, uh, they feel safe that the businesses will keep going and they will have a job and they will be able to sustain their basic lifestyle and then have more discretionary income. So now, how do markets recover from here? There are various theories floating around. Of course, at the very start of the everything, the theory was it will be a straight V, right? We put the plug, we pull the plug off the markets, we shut economy down, and we said that, hey, everybody stop business. And two months from now, we will put the plug back in, everything will go back to normal, and things will come back to the way they were. So it's just two months of lost business. That was the initial assumption, and that it would be a V recovery, a sharp V, you know, like... Um, the slope back will be equal from the slope down and there will be a point and the moment we turn the economy back again, it will go back. That is clearly so not realistic now. That was at some point. Now it is not. Now the situation has already worsened that I feel that there would be a two-month shutdown or plus, which means of non-essential businesses, which means a lot of industries, which means... A lot of people are worse off financially now. A lot of people have not got paychecks now. A lot of businesses are running without any revenues now. All those businesses will be 
way less strong financially three months from now. So the investment goes down, the expansion goes down, the capex goes down. On the consumer side, the spending goes down, discretionary spending goes down, the intent to buy new things goes down. All of them put together, the impact has been or slash will be felt enough, I feel, because of the duration of the shutdown of the businesses, that it will not come back the moment we plug the economy back in. It will take more time. People will, A, pay their basic expenses. Whoever was like waiting to get their medical procedures done will start getting that done. You know, there are many things people have wanted to do that not doing, which are essential. They'll try to pull that in first, spend money on that first. For example, if somebody's not being paying rent and the landlord is being good enough in like extending as as a good faith loan, they will have to pay those rents back. There'll be a lot of back channel stuff that will need to be essentially spent. And after that also, the consumer will be more savvy in terms of saving of times to come, in times to come. So for example, what if the virus comes back? They will be scared to spend anything and that will take a long time. Also, socially, you can end the social distance guideline, but everything just doesn't go back to normal all of a sudden, right? If you have a company like Live Nation who does music concerts, do you really believe that music concerts will be all packed up again once we say that it's okay to go back again? I don't think so. If we start the games again, will the stadiums be full on day one? I don't think so. It will take a certain amount of air in the environment that this is safe to go out. Some of it can come from habit. More adventurous one will go out first. But I feel, I really feel, it will be a cure that is needed. Once there is a cure, people will start to go out like, hey, what's the worst case? I'll get sick. I have a cure. I won't die. Once the curve has flattened out enough that they feel that the hospital facilities are available whenever they want it. And finally, it will really bump back up and go back to normal when we get a vaccine next year, hopefully. Because then this is gone. This is in hindsight. And hopefully there's no pandemic in really the near future to come. And then everything would be back normal. So in that case, it could go back to normal next year, right? So there is a V-shape that I don't believe in. There is a U-shape that can be sort about, but that doesn't mean a lot to me. L-shape is kind of assuming that markets fell and they will never come back, which is also unrealistic to me. What I think is we will have a V-shape, but it will be a different V-shape. If I could put my hands and show you the left line of the V, the left hand of the V was straight, is straight. We fell straight right into this correction. But the right leg up will really depend and is variable on how long a time it will take for we, for us to go back to where we were. So the slope of that line is really, really, really essentially dependent on science, on the administration's job in containing the disease and on how medically we deal with this. When do we have a cure? What are the hopes of the vaccine? The vaccine doesn't even have to be mass produced and approved in the market and available. But even knowing that that vaccine works and that there is no other mutation that is out there and that it will work for everybody is safe enough. And there is enough government support for different industries that are ailing to go back to normal. That all is needed. 
Sofed is doing what it can. I'm really impressed by whatever they're doing. Um, government has passed this bill, which is very important. And I'm glad they did it so soon. Like, it didn't take a lot of bureaucratic time. But eventually, it all comes down to the medical scenario. Nobody is going to go back in, you know, um, concert full of 10,000 people sticking to each other just because government said you should go. Everybody cares about their safety. And if there is no cure, if the hospitals are overloaded, nobody's going to go. So it's not just as simple as saying we stopped the economy, now we'll plug it back. It's more than that. People will not start normal activities till they realize it's safe and that the business have enough momentum that they can predict that people will come so they can start businesses operations again. You know, tomorrow if government allows all stores to be open, if the stores open and they see no consumer is coming, well, they will voluntarily shut it down. They'll be like, there is nobody coming in, you know. And it's just the fact how stores close on Sunday after 8 or 9 or 10. Some stores stay closed on Sunday after afternoon. Why? Because they voluntarily close down because nobody's coming in. So medically, in my opinion, is the directional point of view. Medically, this will decide on how we come back up. As of now, we don't know. But um, with the operations that are underway, the trials that are underway under Regeneron, which is very positive right now, and Gilead and others, hopefully we'll have very early stage data at least in August, July, and uh, we will see. And by then, probably the virus will take a break, and by the time it comes back, we have a cure. So if you believe in that, if you're a little bit optimistic like me, and you believe that eventually, sooner or later, you don't know how, I don't know when, but we will come back. And market has fallen 30-35%. And if you have cash, you got to buy. Now what to buy? In which case, I will go back to saying three things. You can put your new buys in three categories. One is what I say, have a model portfolio always of what you would want your portfolio to be ideally be. If what companies and how much percentages would it ideally be so that you'd be really proud and happy about what you have invested in. You're feeling confident about the growth and you can also... At the same time, go to bed feeling really good about it, you know, and feeling safe. So according to your risk profile and according to your research and according to the companies you believe in and the companies you want to own, you should always have a model portfolio, which I do. So this is a time when you go back and plug the gaps of the model portfolio. So for example, the top three companies in my model portfolio, let's say, are 10% each of Bristol-Myers, Amazon, and Google. And then 7% each of Facebook, United Health, Visa, MasterCard, HDFC Bank, and a um, couple others. So if I see that Facebook is right now 5% of my portfolio and my model allocation is 7%, well, this is where I add. This is where I take advantage of times to go back and plug the right pri at the right prices, go and plug in the mod model portfolio. So don't think a lot. Don't be stupid. Don't do anything stupid and sell now but don't sell now but rather than that now change the model depending on the situation right if you were 50 percent based in airlines and with everything that is going on you got to change the model a little bit so change the model but go and fill the model that's one so in that area i'm buying google now and um, i'm adding to hdfc bank 
I'm waiting for prices to come down further for Apple, for Microsoft, for Visa, for MasterCard. I really want to get MasterCard at 200, Visa at 140, Apple at 200, Microsoft in 130s. But if the markets go back again down, well, then that's my opportunity. So that's where I'm adding. I feel Google is still a good ad right now, right here. Facebook is a good ad in 150s, 160s, HDFC Bank in 30s. It's still a good ad. So I'm adding those now. Second category of addition is accidental high yielders, as in the stock prices have fallen so much that the yields are high, the dividend yields are more than 5%. And I'm not saying go into companies or look into companies that have dividend yields above 10, 15, 20%, because there are a lot of crazy companies right now giving out that dividends because the prices have gone down so much, so less. But stay away. Uh, it's a red flag if a company has 20% plus dividends and forward P is less than two, stay away. Guess what? There is a company who has dividend yield in double digits and forward P of about three. What company is that? Carnival Cruise Lines. <laughs> Don't believe uh, the numbers that you're looking at. Whatever you're looking at, nothing matters right now. Everything is crazy. Everything is broken. Um, dividend yields you're looking at, don't invest based on that. Dividends may be gone. Well, most probably be gone. The forward uh, PE ratios you're looking at, the earnings are not dependable, to say the least. Like, those earnings are nothing. They haven't been revised down yet. And if they have, they haven't been enough. So don't look at that. I'm not referring to them. What I'm referring is to the companies who would stay who are actually doing good, who are stable, who have a decent balance sheet, if not great, and who are going to stay here and get better and have a secular tailwind behind them. So I'm investing into CVS, which is a 3.5% yield, Qualcomm, which is about a 4% yield, Avago, which right now has between 5 to 6% yield, Wells Fargo, which has 7% yield, and Abwe, which is about 6% yield. All these are stable, solid companies with business models which either are getting help from whatever is going on. For example, CVS is one of the convenience stores that is open while people don't have a lot of options to go and shop at. Versus uh, there are companies which have models that will not go away because of this. You know, Abwe hopefully is not that much affected by whatever is going on. Biotex will stay. Um, semiconductor demand may go up actually after a short-term dip because of the shift to cloud and data centers and social media and internet consumption. So that would help Qualcomm and Avago. And banks are going to come back, hopefully. So Wells Fargo, I didn't have, so I'm adding that. So these are the dependent picks that I'm adding. And the third category is where you might say, Sonny, I want to take more risk. Like, don't give me the names I would have bought in anyways on a 10% correction. Things have fallen so sharply that I want to take advantage that I can jump back again and bounce back and gain multiple times the return. So in that case, I'm not going with the travel sector, which is, you know, of course you might think of that. Like if you want to come back, bounce back, roaring again, you may think that's a great idea, buying the airlines, the cruise lines, the hotels, which may come back, many of them which will stay, but, and you can do that. But right now the how long this will go is so uncertain and they have such high capex and fixed costs that we just don't know how bad it could get 
And if there are companies, if there are other companies who have secular tailwinds, secular growth rates, companies whose business models are not affected that much and are continuing to grow, why should I go and take a risk of somewhere, um, something where the fixed costs are fixed and we don't know for how long they will spend it without any revenue, right? So in that environment, I'm going to stay with um, safer companies. But if you want to play, again, mark my words, play, not entirely invest in those troubled sectors right now, I would definitely suggest go with the companies that have stronger balance sheets. So if you're going to an airline, don't go to American. Go buy Southwest, which has much better balance sheet. No debt, almost no debt. So better go there, right? If you're going to... Um, auto. If you're going to automakers, go to Fiat Chrysler. Don't go to Ford, right? Fiat Chrysler has no dividend, but it has no debt as well. So definitely go that way. So if you want to take risk in those sectors, definitely go with ones with better balance sheets so that I know you're going for higher return, but you shouldn't risk losing the entire capital. So you want to make sure the companies come out of this and sustain, if not strong, and don't go bust. So what am I doing in the third category? So the third category of taking risks right now, I'm doing two things. A, I'm going and buying some leveraged ETFs. Again, maybe you shouldn't do this. It's risky, it's aggressive. But if you want to take risk, I would rather do this. So A, I'm buying some leveraged ETFs of uh, sectors that I think don't have that much impact. So technology, semiconductors, and biotech, and... Um, the FANG stocks. So people are using more Facebook, more Instagram, more YouTube, uh, ordering more things on Amazon, watching more Netflix. So FANG, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google is really positive. So there's an ETF called FNGU, which is three times FANG, so I'm buying that. Um, and then you can buy UPRO, which is double the S&P, twice leverage of the S&P 500. And um, TECL is twice, uh, three times the technology index. So that is how I'm playing 1% each of the portfolio, not too much in that A. And B, of course, buy some out-of-the-money call options in some sectors that are so troubled. Just like pay, buy a year out and buy um, a leap, go out in price and take a shot. So in housing, I've gotten calls on KB Homes, for example. In airlines, I've gotten calls on JetBlue. In auto, I've got calls on Fiat Chrysler, and on the whole market, I've got some calls on SPXL. So do that. That's my suggestion, and that's how I'm doing. But of course, I'm not a financial advisor. I'm here just to share my views. And everything I did was share my views. I have, as I said, no medical background. I'm just looking at what people are doing, what people are studying, what people are saying, the scenarios that they're looking at, and making up my mind on what they think is the base case. But it could go really bad if the shutdown worsens, if we don't find a cure, if the virus mutates, forms a different thing that is not found, somehow increases its contagiousness or deadliness or takes a different form for a different shape or a new pandemic bursts out of existence while this has not gone down. You know, various things could happen that are way worse. And I believe two to three months is very optimistic given that we're taking a data from Japan, sorry, from China. But China was way harsh in controlling it, whereas we're a democracy and not controlling it that strongly. So it could be way worse, but sooner or later, things will come back, hopefully on the positive side, on the optimistic side. Summer will come, the virus will slow down or go away while before it comes back 
if it does, we would have some form of cure that would work in time that would give some consumer confidence till a vaccine comes along and hopefully we'll be normal again. And to be prepared for that normal time, if you're optimistic like me with a tinge of cautious optimism, I would say, you got to buy something because markets have dropped 30-35%. So what do you buy? Again, three categories. Fill in the holes to your model portfolio. I'm buying Google and um, Facebook and HDFC Bank. Waiting to buy Visa, MasterCard, Apple and Microsoft on falls. And second would be accidental high yielders, but with the companies that will stay around. So Qualcomm, Bristol-Myers is also good, by the way. Abvi, Avago and Wells Fargo, and CVS. So those are the companies I'm buying. And third, of course, take risks, if you want to take risks, but not a lot. So for example, myself, I'm putting 70% in the filling the holes in the model portfolio kind of companies, 20% in about dividends, 10% in about the risky ones. Of course, this is your choice of how you go, but that's what I'm doing. And in the risky ones, I'm going some out of the money calls and some buying leverage ETFs of sectors that I think will come back. So that is what I'm doing. Hope this was all helpful and hope that you're doing fine. First of all, in the quarantine time, this is some time that you can learn new skills, do more research, build a model portfolio that actually like you take time to like get around it and feel something you're comfortable with. If you have any questions, let me know, let us know. And taking advantage of this quarantine time, right now I'm doing an investing round table, which is on Zoom. We meet every Monday. Um, 6 p.m. Eastern. So if you want to join in, leave a comment and get a link and join in. So it's a bunch of investors who come down and talk to each other on Zoom about <clears throat> what they think about where the markets are going, how they're positioned, share ideas, be thoughtful, bring ideas, help each other out, right? So hopefully you're all doing fine and good and have some form of paycheck coming in. You're able to work something and are able to give some thought into how to invest and hope this was helpful. So thank you for listening. Stay safe and talk to you soon. Happy investing.